the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. When I was a child, when I was six and running off to kindergarten, I had a lunchbox. And on that lunchbox was J.P. Morgan. He was my childhood idol. I wanted to grow up to be just like him. No, that's not true. <laughs> I had a normal childhood. I didn't get concerned about money until I was probably... Twenty, uh, somewhere in that general area. Uh, I do think that one of my first childhood gifts was pretty awesome. It came from a guy named Mr. Claus, and it was a red bank, and uh, it was like a cash register, and it had an arm that every time you put in a, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, it would register. And once you got to ten, oh, it locked after you put in twenty-five cents, and it didn't open until ten bucks. And if you made a mistake at ten dollars and went to ten twenty five, it locked again. Um, so literally I'd look on the ground for money. I'd look through couches for money. And I'd learned how to count better and faster and easier and smoother. I suggest all parents consider something like that for your child. What else would I consider if you want your kids to grow up to be smart with money? Um I think the concept of earning is a pretty good one. The earlier parents established the concept of earning, the better. So requiring a job and a work ethic to get money put into your wallet is the concept. Lemonade stand is fine. So if you give an allowance the wrong way, you're just empowering. It can do more harm than good. So they're not learning anything. Bake sales, lemonade stands, they're learning. Um, good grades. I have no problem with you incentivizing good grades. Uh, $20 for every A on a report card, $10 for every B, and then you, they lose $10 for every C. 
Straight A's gets a bonus. So hard work equals earnings. I know it's kind of a weird thing that I'm talking about this. But you also want to teach your children at an early age the concept of saving, sharing, and spending. I save for the future. I share with charities or causes that I care about. And I spend on things I want and need. That's money 101. That's personal finance 101. So once your kids have earned enough money from a bake sale or haven't completed jobs or haven't gotten an allowance, have them save some, spend some, share some. So go to the bank, open up an account. I think that's a great way to start. So take them to the store with you and show them how spending money, what $5, $10 buys. And when you show them that $5 buys a very small package of raspberries, they're going to think, you know, what do I really want to spend my money on? Something delicious like raspberries or something crappy like uh, baked fish. I don't know. Anytime you go somewhere, tell them to bring cash with them. If you facilitate the purchase and they don't have to pay you back, that's that's not good. So let them think about the purchase. Show them how debit cards work and credit cards. Explain why you're pulling plastic from your wallet to pay for something. If you're in a one-household, one-income household, explain why that spouse who's working isn't home today so that plastic can get replenished. If you have a PIN number, let them push it in. Get them working on that relationship with money. Uh, On occasion, get a coupon. And I know that's not the easiest thing to do because it's just not. There's great online coupons, but if you can have them cut out a physical coupon and you go to the store and use it, it's pretty awesome. And maybe even share half the coupon with them. So if it's $2 off a thing of Tide, you get a dollar, they get a dollar. And they see how that concept starts to work. So matching contributions, I think, is pretty powerful. It's one of the best things in a 401k that corporations do. Salem does it. I'm proud to say that. Not every company does. And the quality of employer that you retain is reflected in that. Anything you contribute to your own savings, if you're under 18, I think parents should match it. So I just encourage them, maybe not match it dollar for dollar, maybe that's not the message you want to send. But maybe it is. Um, I hate people like Tony Robbins. I hate people like Sue Zorman, who has kind of disappeared, thankfully, from the media landscape. In large part, they say a lot of stupid things, and they will say anything to get a transaction from you, whether it's a seminar at three to $4,000 or it's a book. That's Susie Orman. We keep her in the KDOW money closet. <laughs> she ate all the money in the money closet, so we moved her to the prize closet. And there's nothing in the prize closet, so she's getting hungry. Um, yeah, so Sue Zorman one year, when I first moved to San Francisco, I had no friends. It was kind of sad because at Christmas time, 
Thanksgiving time, you kind of want family and friends, and I didn't really have that. My father had passed away, and uh, my mother's had a couple strokes, so flying back to the East wasn't necessarily fun either. But I was astounded one morning. I woke up like Christmas morning, and I was watching Susie Orman in a, a South African church where the skin color on most of these people were black. And this was a very, very poor community that she's talking to about the power of money and how it raises you up. And it made me want to vomit. Because some communities really aren't about the power of money. And some communities are about family. For me, money is something that empowers you to be you and not stressed. And one of the things, you know, one of the greatest stories I ever remember was uh, a woman told me that her grandfather used to put $5 in each hand. Sometimes he'd put like a Snickers in one hand and a Snickers in the other hand and say, pick a hand. She always won. And that was a powerful story to me that I always, like, I want people to be able to do that. So show your kids, you know, you don't have to do this, but like something like Disney or Nike or what's another big one out there? Facebook, if they like to play video games, maybe Electronic Arts or Activision or NVIDIA. Um, I can't imagine a lot of girls like Barbies, but Mattel, Hasbro, they like Star Wars figures. Um, buy a stock and then look at it every three months, six months. Show them how $1 invested turns to $2. So, and try to teach your kids the difference between a need and a want. Trying to differentiate that is harder than you would imagine. And we're a consumer-driven society. So if your kid asks for a price pair of Nikes or a sweatshirt way beyond your price range, explain that you know what a basic need is and how you have to budget for a want. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Art Laffer. Mr. Laffer, how are you? Fine, thanks, Rob. How are you doing today? Doing well. You're kind of famous. You have something named after you, the Laffer Curve. First oh, that's off, just, that's just my profile. Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, how I'm you an get economist. Something... Uh, I did, did my PhD in California at Stanford University, uh, and the Laffer Curve, I guess, became famous uh, in the 70s. And it just shows the relationship between tax rates and total revenues. Which, if you tax a person at 120 percent of everything he or she earns, obviously you'll get no revenues because they won't work. I mean, if every time you went to the office instead of getting a check you got a bill, you'd soon stop working. And likewise, at zero percent tax rates, you'll also get no revenues. And 
there, there's an optimal tax system there, which if you raise rates from zero to some number, you'll get more revenues. But every time you raise the rates, you have two effects. You have a revenue effect, static effect, and you have a dynamic effect, which is on the tax base itself. When you raise rates, you collect more money per dollar of tax base, but you also shrink the tax base. And, and that's sort of the basis of the Laffer curve. So you're going to be at the Money Show coming up August 23rd through 25th yes. um, in San Francisco at the Marriott Marquis. You're going to be one of the key speakers. People can find out more at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. Let's talk the economy right here, sure. right now. Um, how do you feel where the United States is? Well, I think we have the single worst recovery in U.S. history uh, right now. Okay. It's been uh, really a terrible recovery. Uh, if we'd have had the same recovery under Obama as we had under Reagan, we would have had about 11 million more jobs in the U.S. today. We'd have about four trillion, three and a half to four trillion more GDP. Uh, you know, and that's employment or GDP or even housing. So it's been an awful economy, basically because of bad policies. I mean, you, you, you can't, Rob, you can't tax an economy into prosperity. And a poor person really cannot spend himself into wealth. And it's fairly simple, straightforward. But uh, the policies of the last 15 years have been pretty much negative. What are some of these policies that you're speaking of, and, and what might we, what new policies might ever be put in place? Well, you know, what the policies I'm talking about are really tax rates, regulations, uh, okay. trade barriers, a bad monetary policy, which it's, it's pretty awful right now, uh, and, uh, of course, spending policies. I mean, government spending is taxation. The, the tooth fairy no longer works at the U.S. Treasury, and every time the federal government or state government spend money, they take it from someone else. And, and that's just unfortunately the way it is. There, there's no free lunch. There's no, the free lunch. there's no free you lunch. There's no free lunch. You remember not too far back the kind of uprising against the banking system in the United States. Um, is that going to be more of the norm, or do you think we get, you know, where people are angry? Or do you think we get to a point where people are happy and they're growing their, their incomes and they're growing their salaries, per se? I don't think people are happy right now, and I don't think we'll get to a state with these policies where people will be happy with a very lackluster, slow growth. You know, when you look at your kids and your grandkids and say their standard of living will not be any better than mine, that doesn't make people happy. And I think, you know, anger is not a good way of generating votes, but frankly, uh, the government intervention has made things a lot worse, not better. Uh, you know, let's take the negative interest rates of the Fed right now. I mean, who wants to lend money to a mortgage borrower a risky mortgage borrower for 30 years at 3.5%? No one. So what we've done with negative interest rates is we've destroyed the supply of money, the supply of funds, to the mortgage market. And it's it's no wonder we have the worst housing recovery ever. Uh, and that and, uh, that's what's happened. Interest rates can be too high and they can be too low. Uh, if they're too high, no one wants to borrow. And if they're too low, no one wants to lend. And that's where we are today. So your biography shows me that you worked with Ronald Reagan. Yes. What was that like? It was great. I mean, he was wonderful to work with, and plus, we had the greatest prosperity ever. I mean, uh, Reagan's recovery was the single best in U.S. history. We we were growing in in '83 and '84 at seven, eight, nine percent real growth rates annualized quarterly basis for two, three years. It was just a very wonderful period of prosperity, and I, I was hoping we'd be able to come back to it as well, but. Right now, looking at the political scene, I'm not sure we're going to.
Now, Reagan obviously was known as for trickle-down economics. That is would, that something that, that would be me. <laughs> okay. That's kind of cool, huh? It is kind of cool. I don't like the, the phrase, but hell, it's fun and it's about me. <laughs> that was George Herbert Walker Bush who, who said it, trickle-down. Gotcha. Um, the primary, by the way. That's, he now loves it. Something that I'm fascinated with is the taxation of American companies. And you see Tim Cook talking about Apple's cash hoard overseas. He's like, we will never repatriate it at the tax rates. Um, and then you and see right, Ireland right have to do that. And like Ireland has almost no taxes. Um, so we're not competitive. Can you talk a little bit about the competitiveness? Sure. Of, uh, I was very America? involved in the Ireland tax reforms that their corporate tax rate is 12 and a half percent. Uh, on income, and I'm not talking about deductions and all that stuff, but just on corporate income, it taxed 12.5% in Ireland and 35% in the U.S. And, you know, if you have two locations, A and B, and if you raise taxes in B and you lower them in A, producers and manufacturers and people are going to move from B to A. And that's what's happened. We have the single highest corporate tax rate in the OECD, about 32 countries, uh, and Ireland's one of the lowest. And, of course, we're losing business all the time to these other countries. We have the lowest corporate tax revenues, I think fourth lowest of all the OECD. And it, it's just a classic example of the Laffer curve. Two high tax rates and no revenues as a result. And everyone's trying to move their funds offshore. And until we get that corporate rate down, it's not, they're not coming back. I once met Steve Forbes. I was on Forbes on Fox. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised because the media kind of makes him a little kooky. But he's sweet, he's intelligent, he's insightful in person. And he had the flat tax, I'm going to run for president, flat tax, flat tax, flat tax. Is that something that we need to move towards, or do we oh, yes, want there is. to be and variations? Steve Forbes is one of my dearest friends, and uh, I've known him right. forever. Uh, and, yeah, flat tax is what you need to do. You need to have a low-rate, broad-based flat tax so you provide people with the least incentives to evade, avoid, or otherwise not report taxable income. And so you give them the least number of places they can put their income to avoid taxation. So a low-rate, broad-based flat tax. Uh, I did Jerry Brown's flat tax when he ran for president in 1992 in the Democratic primary. It would have worked beautifully then, and it would have worked beautifully with uh, Steve Forbes as well. It's, it's not left-wing or right-wing. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's just good, plain old common sense. Art, it's been nice to talk to you, and we'll see you at the Money Show in San Lovely Francisco. Lovely talking with you, and thank you very much for the interview, and I will see you at the Money Show. August 23rd through 25th, you can come out to the Marriott Marquis. You have to sign up. It's free to get in. It's the San Francisco Money Show. The website is, oddly enough, sanfranciscomoneyshow.com. That's sanfranciscomoneyshow.com. Art Laffer will be there. There will be 65 of the nation's leading investment experts, 160 free workshops on investing in money, uh, there's keynote presentations, much, much more. Learn more at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. Rob Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. 
800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So Simone Biles won four gold medals, including the individual all-around, making her one of the only six gymnasts ever to win that much gold at the same Olympics. Will she make it into even more of a rarefied club of Olympians who have turned their success into a long-term income stream? She has a pretty good head start. Her pre-Olympic deals were worth between 2 to $4 million. And we'll see if she's able to uh, you know, buck the trend and, and keep some longevity. Every now and then you get someone like Bruce Jenner who wins and uh, cashes in, gets on Wheaties boxes, and then disappears for a long period of time, only to show up one more time where you're like, say what? Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Homes are burning and thousands are fleeing as out-of-control brush fires char more than 31,000 acres in the Cajon Pass. Um... What's interesting to note about that, nothing crazy other than 31,000 homes are disappearing, and that ties into the theme of real estate. Every single year, there's going to be disasters that take real estate down. And what I mean by that is we're going to have to rebuild every single year a certain amount of homes. And there's going to be a certain amount of people that move into the area every single year. And that's one of the reasons housing does well over time and housing stocks. Um, whether it's a Masco, a Williams-Sonoma, a Home Depot, they do well over time. Take a look. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez. He's my personal mortgage lender, and he's someone you can use. He'll get the loan done. Let's talk about toughness on loans. It is a concept that I don't think a lot of people think about. Is it tougher for a 30-year-old to get a loan than a 60-year-old in general, just by age? Yes. Okay, why is that? Uh, Usually credit, debt ratios, income, down payment, everything. All things being the same, is it easier for someone to get a mortgage if it's the second or third mortgage they've got in their life versus the first? Well, let's get it straight. They're not going to discriminate on age. To begin with, it's 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 more of just you know how you've set up your life over a period of time. Right. Gen- generally, the you know the older you know generation X, generation you know baby boomers have more income, just more equity, more, more savings, yeah. and and so and better credit scores and so on. So in general, yes, you're going to see that difference, but the, the, it really comes down to the ratios and the credit score and and your down payment. Let's move on to the second one that I just brought up, um, and move off of age and move into. If I've had three mortgages in my life, is right. it the fourth one going to be easier to get than the first one? The only reason I can think of is that you have a better credit score because you okay. have more trade lines. But okay. it could be. It, it, and what it all comes down to is, is the higher credit scores means it, it you get a better rate, which means it's more affordable. So, yes, yeah, so it does trickle down into easier financing. 35-year-old wants to – he's got great credit. He wants to spend $500,000 on a single-family home or $500,000 on a condo. Is the condo going to have a higher rate because it's not quite as attractive to the lenders of potentially taking over in foreclosure as a single family? Well, it could be several reasons why the rate could be higher or your payments could be higher. First of all, you have an HOA due, okay? And that HOA due calculate into an aggregate interest rate um, as though if it was a single family residence. Second, it could be a non 
a non-warrantable condo, meaning it, it's had a litigation on it, or there's too many renter-occupied instead of owner-occupied, which means you have to go to alternative portfolio financing, which could end up with a higher rate, and, and you could be in an arm. So you, you're a little bit riskier product. That's one of the reasons condos are, are, are risky and why if I was a condo HOA, I would focus on keeping my, my tenants in line saying this is what I need in order for us to continue being able to sell and, and refinance, keep, keep our numbers in line as far as all, all the 30 points that are on this HOA questionnaire that could cause it to be non-warrantable. Um, so, yeah, there's a big difference in financing uh, if you're a 35-year-old financing a condo than it is single-family. and can be cheaper. But, of course, you're going to spend more money on the single-family residence to begin with. Okay. Is, would you get a rate lower if, like, you had... 30% down versus 20% down? In general, you are going to get a lower rate with more money down, yes. it's okay. called, They're called risk-layered factors or adjustments. Oh. So the more equity you have, the better pricing you're going to get, which can translate into a lower rate, yes. And a lot of times if you have, for example, people, investors with bad credit, there's a lot of investors that buy properties on a yearly basis, and they, they have bad credit. It's because they have a lot of equity or down payment, which kind of compensates for that lower credit score. That's interesting. As a mortgage lender, using these factors that we've talked about, sometimes age, sometimes how many mortgages you've had, some debt that you're carrying, can people work with you or can you work with people and show them, look, if you put another 5000 down or $10,000 down, 5% or another 10% down, you'll get a much better rate. Absolutely. So you have something that tells you um, Rob qualifies for 4.5, but if he throws down another 10%, it'll be 4.2? It really should be the most rudimentary skill of a loan officer to be able to know those kinds of of, of differences between down payment and percentages. And it's all about, the, like, again, those risk-layered adjustments, and, and it's the way a lender or an investor is going to price your loan out. It's, you know, you're a, you're a different person than everybody else, and they're going to be different than, their, you know, their neighbor. And, you know, theoretically, one guy could have a $3,000 mortgage on the same house, and another guy could have a... $2,800 mortgage, and it all comes down to how much money he put down, how much credit, credit score, and what interest rate he ends up with, and it's based on your character. A friend of mine predicted five years ago that mortgages will be bought and sold on Wall Street at some point in time. Not really happening, but do you see a, a day and age where people can go to Sears and get a mortgage, or people can go to Amazon? Yes, I do. Okay, so you think it's become more... You can go to Costco and get a mortgage. Costco. Has loans? Yep. I didn't know that. They do everything. Yep, they do everything. The thing they got into recently is money wiring, and they're doing it cheap, and they're basically killing Western Union, killing them. And I like that. With that said, you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, and you might see the cover of a new Sports Illustrated in the coming days, and it's got a picture of Michael Phelps and uh, Katie Ledecky and Simone Biles. Uh, on it with all their medals, and it's kind of cool. But in the picture, you'll notice that Michael Phelps is wearing Nike. It's because, well, wait, he's an Under Armour athlete as far as being signed. But this is happening in large part because Nike sponsors the Olympics. So you know Nike's going to put that on their uh, walls in the corporate offices. That's a big win for them. That may be one of the iconic images that we remember uh, these Olympics with. So, huge win, to say the least. Speaking of huge wins, the Money Show is going to be in town August 23rd through 25th. You can sign up for it for free at SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. It's SanFranciscoMoneyShow.com. 
anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Other business stories out there today. U.S. weekly jobless claims totaled 262,000. And that's great. The number of Americans filing for unemployment benefits fell more than expected last week. That shows us the labor market strength is there. That should encourage the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates soon. We are considered now at or near full employment, suggesting limited scope for more declines in claims. Um, McDonald's, they had an attempt to, I thought this was kind of funny, (laughs) just between me and you. They're doing everything they can to appear healthier, especially when it comes to children. So they put fitness trackers in their their Happy Meals for kids. Um, And then some kids got some skin irritations, so they instantly pulled them out. Uh, Nothing's more important than the safety of your customers, as far as perception and reality goes. So they weren't playing around. The chain has been making changes as, you know, things like swapping margarine for butter foregoing iceberg lettuce for more colorful vegetables, uh, testing menu items such as kale salad. A lot of people have assumptions about McDonald's food, and, you know, they're trying. The industry is incredibly challenged fast food because there's a stigma about what is quick-serve restaurant food and what's not. You might remember a couple of years ago, Taco Bell got into trouble because they didn't have 100% beef in their tacos. So what is, when it's 72%, what is the other 28%? And we're learning that the food industry does some crazy stuff. Like if you buy shaved Parmesan, uh, there's like what's considered wood filler. Uh, Otherwise, the cheese would stick together. Uh, And same thing goes with the meat, you know. They're adding extra things to it to make it tastier, to make it uh, go longer. Uh, hopefully none of it's cancer-causing, but that's always the fear, right? Starbucks is virtually the only large incumbent out there that can offer millennial parents the convenience of a fast food chain and food that would not feel guilty or embarrassing uh, to serve to your children. I look at Starbucks as, you know, a a great investment for the long term because of that. Um, Starbucks is rolling out alcohol. Starbucks is rolling out more food. Starbucks is rolling out things other than coffee in the morning. And, uh, you know, it, I'm not, I don't think it's a sign of child abuse to take your kid to McDonald's. But society certainly has an image like, I don't smoke. And when I see people with cigarettes, and I came from the East Coast where some states still, people smoke a lot. They're still smoking in restaurants in some states. Um, and when you see it, you're like, whoa. Same thing could be said now for when you see like a, a mom taking her kid to McDonald's and someone's like, a, whoa. No way. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I know that there's a lot of options out there. And the day of AM radio versus FM radio versus CDs versus, you know, plugging in your device or your thumb drive. I get it. So thanks for sticking with us. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm not the biggest fan of American politics. It just doesn't ever feel right to me. Um, I've always got a kick out of oxymorons, and I kind of get that feeling when it's talking about the U.S. politics, political reality, common sense. The world of politics has its own altered reality, in my opinion, in which economic reality often seems to impinge. I was reading some research on how much the United States government spends on bombs that we'll never use, or how much we spend per plane. And it's just it's staggering. And then you look at our debt, and you look at our debt clock, and you look at taxes, and you look at you know what we get for what we give in taxes. And you look at companies like Apple, and you're like, they should pay more taxes. It just feels to me like everything political is it's almost willfully ignored. There's no redress. Election victories based on unmet promises can't be rescinded. Candidates can't be sued over falsehoods on the stump. So, to me, it's just, it's surreal. So, um, and we seem to, you know, fall in line every four years. <laughs> go be a good Republican, go, go be a good Democrat. Um, and the other people are stupid. So, I know not everyone thinks like that, but it certainly feels that way. So Uber kind of showed us their self-driving car. Woo! Sexy! Transportation startup in Volvo agreed on a $300 million alliance to develop autonomous vehicles. And they'll be hitting the streets of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania this month. The deal is a clear indication of Uber's determination to ditch drivers in its minicabs and is the latest move by traditional vehicle manufacturers looking to team up with Silicon Valley firms, long seen as disruptive threats to their industry. So Volvo doesn't want to become irrelevant, um, so they make a deal with Uber. They want to sell cars, even if it, the car doesn't have a human driver. So Uber is a car hailing. No, no, no. Is it a car hailing service or is it a ride hailing service? Probably a ride is the right way of saying it. So Uber will purchase Volvos and then install its own driverless control system for the specific needs of its ride-hailing service. And Volvo will use the same vehicle for its own autonomous driving project. So try to cut down on, you know, why try to reinvent the wheel when we already have one wheel? Let's keep using said wheel. So the vehicles are being launched in Pittsburgh on a trial basis. Uber customers who order a cab may randomly be sent one of the self-driving vehicles, which at this stage will still have a human driver. Supervising. Uber also recently bought up Auto, which is a driverless truck startup for a price as much as $680 million. Now, one area where self-driving vehicles make a lot of sense is if you've ever been to like an oil field or like a coal field, and you have these massively big trucks. Think the truck that you're thinking about right now times 100. 
they're huge. Um, and they basically carry product from one side of the field to the other side of the field. There's a lot of areas where it's going to make a lot of sense. And Ford came out and kind of, and Google as well, in a very, I'm not going to say weak, yeah, I'm going to say weak, thought on how they want to use autonomous vehicles. Kind of as cabs and cities and campuses. Not necessarily driving the road. So the only maverick out there driving the road right now is Elon Musk. And he is kind of a maverick, is he not? So, um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Spotify is now into content. And who's not into content, right? I honestly feel a little overwhelmed. I want to watch Stranger Things on Netflix. People have said it's great. Uh, last show that I really got into, I guess, is... Uh, last show that I finished was Breaking Bad. Since then, I've been hanging on with Game of Thrones. A uh, little Walking Dead, but not much. And I want to get into something, but there's too many choices. I'm overwhelmed. I'm sensory overloaded. Spotify says the series called Metallica, The Early Years. will chronicle the band founding from 1981 until 1984 when they released Ride the Lightning. Now, if you don't like Metallica and you live in the Bay Area and you're not proud of Metallica, ugh, that's all I'm going to say. Um, but Spotify is into it now. And to me, I, 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 it just feels too much. It just feels too much for me. Um, Oracle wants another chance on its $9 billion trial with Google because Google kept a key secret. Ooh. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I saw that fewer Californians were uninsured in 2016, but more Californians are worried about the cost of insurance. And I get that. A lot of people have insurance. They don't want to go use insurance because there's more than just a deductible anytime something serious happens. So keep that in mind, right? That's almost counterintuitive, but it is what it is. Um, there's 1.2 million retail workers gone because companies like Amazon and eBay and Newegg are so good at what they do. They used to have to hire someone in a store to walk around and talk to you and show you the differences in products. Now you're doing it yourself online. 1.2 million workers out of the American workforce. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I knew we'd have some Metallica taking us to break. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.